1: Hi there, and welcome to the Edmonton Journal's Oilers podcast, the training camp edition. My name is Sarah O'Donnell, and I'm the Journal's sports editor. It's Thursday, September 24th, and I'm joined in the newsroom studio today by a trio of the Journal's hockey experts. We've got Joanne Ireland. Morning. And John McKinnon.
2: Great day for hockey.
1: It is a great day for hockey. And Jim Matheson.
2: The Oilers will go undefeated in the exhibition season.
1: Excellent. A bold prediction right here. Last time we sat down together, the Oilers' rookies were about to leave for Penticton, BC for the Young Stars Classic, and now the entire contingent of potential Oilers are in Edmonton, and we are two games, three possibly if you count the split squad game uh, into the preseason. What do we know about this year's Oilers team that we didn't know going into training camp? Jim, start us off.
2: Well, they're winning games. They didn't win too many last year, but uh, they look like they got a team that, that wins uh, when they come from behind in the games, too. They... Last uh, against Winnipeg Jets, they were up two nothing. They got tied two two, and they still won the game three two. And then they rallied to win a game in in uh, against Calgary in the split squad as well. So they look like they got that perhaps figured out last year. When they were down on the games, they pretty much lost the games last year. There wasn't much fight back. So early signs are that. Perhaps there'll be some of that this year. They might actually win a few more games.
1: Okay, what have you noticed, Joanne, about well, the team? Well, I, I,
0: I agree with Maddie. I mean, we've seen a little bit of pushback early in the preseason, but I, I also think it's far too early to sort of make any predictions about what we may be seeing. I mean, the team they played against Winnipeg was just basically, um, can I call it a B team or do I have to call it a C team? I mean, they didn't have scrubs. a lot of... Scrubs, you can call it scr- scrubs. Call it scrubs. At this juncture, because it's so early, you're, you're getting like really... Bad mismatches, and I don't think you can really put a real true gauge on where they're at. But you know, we'll see. Give them a couple of days when the when the preseason gets on and the rosters start tightening down. Then we'll have a far better handle of what
1: we may be seeing in the regular season. And John, what what have you learned about the team that you maybe didn't know a few weeks ago?
3: Well, they have way more raw material to work with this year than past years, and the the players that they have are engaged and connected to their coach in a way that I've not seen before. Uh, I mean, a couple of training camps. The previous two training camps, the players are kinda walking around like, where am I supposed to be in that situation? I'm supposed to I gotta go where, where? Like, it was confusion. These guys, I think, are much more on task. They're having explanations given to them by the coaching staff. Not just, here's what I want you to do, but here's why and I think it there's a a mood difference there that's quite uh, noticeable where that takes the team I don't know but that to me is very clear
1: yeah Todd McClellan certainly got attention right away on social media on the first day of training camp with his his style what is he doing exactly that's you know getting comments from Twitter that's making people say yeah I really like what I see well I think he's cursing
2: at them no (laughs) I I think he's 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 clear uh he's Prepared, and I think he's a veteran coach in the National Hockey League. And what he says, the players are more receptive to perhaps listening. His, his message is probably not a whole lot different from the other coaches, but how he puts it may be different. And uh, in today's game, the players w- will be told what to do. But the, the next thing is, is, Why am I doing that? And that's today's generation. And I think the coaching staff is pretty good at explaining why they're supposed to be doing something, and the players so far are listening.
0: And he's made it abundantly clear he wants that intensity from the get-go. And, you know, hence if it's not there, the yelling and screaming. And um, I think the players are, you know, at this point listening to him. And, you know, we've seen a lot more focus and a lot more jump, I would say, early in camp. And that comes from his mandate that it's all in
1: he very deliberately drew a line between players at training camp very, very early on that we've got the NHL squad and the uh, AHL squad, the players who are likely headed to Bakersfield. Why do that so early in the training camp? I give him props for that
2: I one, give him props <laughs> for that, and I think yeah. he's trying to get down to his NHL lineup quicker than than before, where people would be in and out of the lineup and, and it was all uh, – mix and match and then it was two games to go as oh I guess this is our lineup. Well I think he knows now which twenty five players are NHL players and which twenty five players are American League players unless somebody from the American league plays really well in a couple of exhibition games and pushes their way into the into the A group. And I that's probably the way it was. The orders have gotten off to not very good starts mm-hmm. and uh, it's better to have a, a lineup that you know with two three games to go in the exhibition season, and then get off and running when the regular season starts.
0: But this also enables them to make, um, to bring in special teams practices that they wouldn't normally do at this point in the season and work on things that they desperately need to work on. Plus, it's a new staff, there's new concepts, there's new language, and the sooner they can sort of all sort of fall under that guideline of what he expects, the better. I mean, as Maddie said, it's, it's imperative they get off to a good start, and the only way they're going to do it is if they're ready for game one. I mean, last preseason, they went into their last preseason game still not sure who was playing on which line. So they go into the regular season, they don't have any sort of chemistry, the players have not gelled, defensive pairings were a mess. You know, I don't think we'll see any of that this time around.
3: Another thing too is that he has, there is competition for jobs within the NHL group. Particularly on defense, I would say goaltending, but even among like third, or fourth lines. I mean, so he wants to see who's going to step up and earn a, a regular spot, and you get too much noise in the mix when you have you know minor leaguers scuffling around that you know well we'll you know are not going to start the season in Edmonton, and so you know get them. At, plus, they have to. Be, you know, sort of get a, a sense of, okay, I got more work to do. Why wait till the end of camp? <laughs> Tell him right away.
1: We've managed to make it several minutes into the podcast without talking about Connor McDavid. I, I can't believe that. We we need to address the McDavid question. Everyone is very excited to see him play, and the Oilers have made some interesting choices since the start of rookie camp about when he will play and when he won't. What what do you think about the the strategy that they've been using about, you know, when they rest him, when they play him?
0: Well, I think
1: last night against
0: Winnipeg, with, again, as John mentioned, the Scrubs, I don't know that you want him in that situation. I mean, you have to sort of, if you're going to get him in the lineup, you sort of want to sort of massage where he's going to get in. So he has a better chance of succeeding, too. I mean, they're not going to put him in a situation where he's apt to get pounded and beat up and not have room on the ice to sort of you do you what want he him does pl- best.
2: You want him playing uh, Friday night in Winnipeg against... Their four best defensemen who didn't travel to uh, Edmonton for the game y- uh, y- uh, last night, and their first and second line players as well, and their number one goaltender. And we'll Winnipeg's see the lineup will be very good, yeah. I'm sure, in Winnipeg, with Bufflin and, and Myers and Enstrom and stuff on defense, and really good forwards. That would be a much better test than the one last night.
1: H- how do you think McDavid's handling the spotlight so far, John, from what you've seen?
3: Oh, I think he's, in his own very soft-spoken fashion, I think he's become accustomed to this uh, in his time in junior hockey and with the national junior team and, and the under-18 team. And I, I, I think that this is something uh, the high-end junior players are trained in and they're ready for it. Um, he doesn't say – he's actually – he does say some interesting things, but it, but he's, he's so quiet, but I don't think it's because he's – Afraid of the situation or anything? I think it's just because that's who he is. He's a you know quiet spoken person.
0: Well, I found it particularly interesting that he sort of quietly asked the uh, team relation or media relations people not to trot him out in front of the room after every game or when people want to talk to him. He wanted to do it his lock at a stall, much like all his teammates do. He didn't want to sort of be that guy, which I, I find kind of interesting. He just sort of wants to fit in. He'll never be just that guy, but I mean, he's he's certainly making attempts to to not set himself apart yeah how's
2: uh, he
1: done on ice
2: done very well on ice he looks like a player who's uh, played longer than uh, one nhl exhibition game i i i he's going to get the attention whether he likes it on the road they're going to have to trot him out by himself when they go to toronto for the first time when they go to you know new york for the first time when they go to buffalo because jack eichel was the second pick in the draft Those hockey markets, he'll be trotted out by himself. They will not be doing interviews around his locker stall. But in Edmonton, 40 times a year, you know, I mean, he hate to hearken back, but Wayne Gretzky sat at his stall forever and ever and ever, and so did Mark Messier, and they didn't trot them out uh, after every game because they were special. So... um, it might yeah. help if they gave <laughs> him a little, that's, li- little that's extra. That's thirty years big, ago. A little the, extra. The media big.
3: crowd has grown quite a bit. I realize then.
2: that, Then perhaps they could give him a little bigger <laughs> stall where he could sit, but <laughs> but right. it would still do it at a stall. Yeah,
3: a stall that might look like a, a locker room.
2: I'd say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> who else is making an impression beside McDavid?
2: I think Leon Dreisaitl, who I think most people thought was on the cut line of staying and going to the, or going to the minors. After last year when he only got nine points, I think he's proven that he can play a little bit of wing and he can also play center. And they've slotted him in on the third line because they want an offensive line. And he looks like a player that is going to stay. I thought they might start him in the minors, but I don't see it now.
1: Hmm. How about you, Joanne?
0: Um, I would say Justin Schultz. I mean, he's coming into camp, playing for contract, coming off a bad season. And early indications, again, very early indications are that he looks like he's, uh, he's... ready to answer the Bells, so we'll see where it goes. But, I mean, they need this sort of season out of him, whether or not he can deliver during the regular season, but so far, so good.
1: A lot of people have talked about how they need the Oilers defensemen to be tougher. What what do people mean by that when they say that, and, and, and is and is he the person who can do that?
2: No. <laughs> although, although, against uh, Winnipeg Jets uh, last night, uh, his partner Oscar Klefbom got knocked down with a clean hit in the open ice, and Justin rushed in to his defense, and I, we haven't really seen that b- out of Justin before, and it wasn't going to be a situation where he was going to get pounded by anybody here, you know, because it was one of the Jets farmhands that hit uh, Oscar Clef bomb. but it was nice to see, and team toughness is such a, it's a cliche, but I think that's what they're looking for. They're looking for some sort of response from everybody when a teammate is knocked down rather than doesn't have to be the toughest guy in the team Luke Gastic, to do it it should or Matt Hendricks it should be everybody
0: hmm. and tougher on the puck too they don't want them giving up the puck as easily but it's you know it's kind of twofold with their expectations of tough
1: and John for you have there been any surprises pleasant or otherwise out of the the players in training camp
3: well I it's very early the um Dreisaitl and Yakupov combined in a two on nothing last night and they didn't get a shot away. So clearly they need more work. Bums, the both of them. Um, <laughs> Schultz drilled a beautiful goal last night, one-timer. Uh, and He took a few other good shots. He's working on his shot in the offseason. The central thing that I see with, with, with as I say, with this group is they're clearly um, willing to learn. And... They, I think they talked a good game in the past, but I'm not sure they really were, were committed to. Okay, we've got to, you know, learn the defensive game. And McDavid's out there. I he blocked a shot one game I was watching him, and he, you know, uh, is diligent on the defensive side, which I think is uh, important because <laughs> he's going to be there very quickly. He'll be their best player, and if he's going to do everything, play the 200 foot game that sends a, a clear message to the rest of them so that's that's good news um, and you know beyond that I mean uh, you're looking for little moments here and there I mean last night Griffin Reinhardt played a, a clean simple game the puck when he got the puck in a defensive zone he got that puck out or either out or to somebody else who could get it out of the zone very efficiently Th- that's you know a seemingly a simple exercise that has been missing from that team puck goes in their zone and it's become this this you know uh, a keystone cops affair on many occasions so th- th- even a simple kind of um unadorned you know uh, not fancy approach that he took last night if they could do that you know have players do that consistently that's important
2: i think one of the surprises too is darnell nurses on the b roster i think a lot of people thought he was would be challenging for a spot in the back of their mind, thinking he might go to the minors, but I think they've made a pretty clear indication early that he needs time in the minors, and he's not going to be one of the seven or eight defensemen that are going to start the season here. And that's good news because it's a lot harder to make the NHL as a young defenseman than it is as a young forward.
0: Well, they're and they're also going into camp with enough defensemen they can do that. I mean, they you know where would you put him right now? Like uh, who who would you take out in that equation to put him in on in that group of eight? I mean, it's You know, and it won't hurt him. It won't hurt him to go down and at least start the season in Bakersfield and sort of, you know, um, this team in the past has not done or not been in a position, I guess, to develop players to that extent. And going through the American Hockey League system isn't the worst-case scenario.
1: Ryan, we were talking about Reinhardt a couple minutes ago. Where is he in the groupings? Because he's another player who, right. you know, early on I thought might be on the bubble. People said he might be headed down to the farm team, might be on the NHL squad. So where does he sit right now? On the bubble.
2: Oh. <laughs> we're still on the bubble. Okay. Still on the bubble. <laughs> doesn't slid either no, one way or I the other. I think he's on the team. Well. I think he would be uh, – I'm not so sure that he won't start the season with, eight, gonna carry eight, with defensemen? eight defensemen and only one extra forward, Luke Gazdick. Yeah. And That's I the only think, way they could And him. then, you know – then they can rotate def- two defensemen in, two defensemen out, perhaps as the third pairing. And I think, uh, you know, I, d- defensemen get hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt before. Knock on wood. You hope that that d- doesn't happen. But somebody's going to get hurt before the season starts, and that, you know, that'll. But having said that, things. Maddie,
0: Reinhardt has to l- lock down that position. I mean, it's not a given that he's going to be on the roster. He has to prove that he doesn't belong there. So.
1: How about goaltending? Has anything been settled on the goaltending front? There were there are four goaltenders still in camp, or just three now?
2: There's four, but only three, three NHL. Three, three NHL.
1: Okay. Is there any clarity on who's going to be the Oilers' front and center goalie going into the season?
2: Cam Talbot. I think will be the. It's his job to lose. Yeah. They traded for him. I think it's his job to. If they really liked Ben Scrivens, emphatically, they would not have traded for Cam Talbot. So I think by trading draft picks and uh, going after other goalies at the draft Uh, Robin Leonard and other people they kind of made it clear that they they wanted another goalie and he hasn't it's his job to lose I don't know if it's his job to win it's his job to lose and then the battle is between Scrivens and Anders Nilsson to see who the backup is and that's to me it's pretty even I don't you know one player of course makes double what the other player makes you know, Scrivens makes $2.3 million salary this year, and Nilsson makes $1 million. So there's a lot of difference in what they've got to pay a backup. So we'll see what happens.
0: And we may see, may see some signs of separation between those two in the days to come because they will get full games. So I, th- I don't think until they're in that situation, you can sort of get a real, real sense of where they're at.
1: Something to talk about next week. Yay! <laughs> What's next for the Oilers? <laughs> what, where do we go from here? Three days of exhibition so far? Tell me about the next, the upcoming calendar.
2: Well, like I said, we play the Jets. Uh, The Oilers have had a lot of trouble with the Jets. Jets are a better team than the Oilers, Uh, certainly off last year when they made the playoffs. That'll be a good test. In Minnesota, they play uh, in Saskatoon. That's also a better team than the Oilers. Um, So, you know, it's a good yardstick. And the only problem, as Joanne pointed out, is exhibition games. You only get half a roster usually. Uh, It'll be a better roster for the Jets because it's a home game. It might not be such a good roster for Minnesota in Saskatoon because it's a road game for them. As it's a road game for the Oilers, so. But you know, just keep soldiering on, I guess. And, well, and I
0: think what what we'll see though, there's back-to-back exhibition games. Then they they might take a breather on Sunday, and then there'll be some cuts. The um, Bakersfield goes to camp on. They're on the ice on the 28th they'll probably have meetings 27. So I presume by at least by the 26th, there'll be another swath of cuts, especially after these back-to-back games. So I think, you know, um, those B team players, that group is going to shrink considerably by early next week. I
3: I don't think the outcomes of these games in any season ever matters at all. No. What you're looking for is the the outcome of, of individual battles at different positions. Yeah. And, um... That will be interesting, um, but whether they win or lose, I mean, unless they're going out getting clobbered, you know. But uh, I, that to me is. Don't you think, no, John? Important.
2: They have four lines already. They have their four forward lines already. The questions are on defense, and who the backup goalie is. They pretty much have their four lines. The fourth line is. You I want to see
3: how they play. I, I want to see how are are they. I mean, I, I want to see the quality of their work, and uh, you know, are are you seeing? I mean. You could have a, a, a baseball team, and you decide who your starting rotation is, and if none of them is actually capable of being much of a stopper, so what? Like, you know, I, I want to see how they how they perform. You know, Schultz, if if he's one of their defensemen, that's great. But is is his game better? Are we going to see that? That's what I want to see. Whether they win doesn't matter to me. I want to see is he going to be hard. I, we saw some examples last night of him being, I think, harder on the puck, tougher in his own zone. That's what I want to see. On a, from a variety of players, and uh, you know, uh, I don't. As I say, the, the you know, or is is McDavid going to be situations where he's going to maybe struggle? Who knows? So far, I haven't seen it, not even once. Um, but you do want to examine that. You know, I mean, is Nurse, you know, our Nurse and Reinhardt kind of in a battle? And, and if so, what you know, components will make the decision for you know one way or the other that's what I look for I am uh, but the outcomes who cares
1: this is the time of year when it would be just so fun to be a fly in the wall of a coaching coaching staff room to hear all those conversations well, taking well place.
3: that's exactly right and after every game and, and they, they, they're having like they're having discussions you know ongoing all the time about ev- all the details of of the the way people are playing and what it means and if we go with this guy we, we that's we'll be well suited for these situations but this guy but he's weaker here and the, you know what's the trade-off and yeah, so the on.
2: general manager chimes in by how much the players make to well, yeah. and says contract, situ- contract situation we can't we can send this guy to the minors he doesn't have to clear waivers if we send this guy down, he has to clear waivers, so maybe we should keep him on the roster to start the season because we don't really want to lose him. Yeah, you know, get on to all sorts of things much deeper into the training camp over than right now.
3: Well, and the fans, the fans are the component, the very important component. You know, they all want Nikita Nikitin sent packing somewhere. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if that unfolds. I doubt it very much.
1: Thank you, Joanne, John, Jim, for coming and talking Oilers with me today and thanks to videographer Greg Southam who's filming the podcast so we can post video clips for, from our conversation online. This is our second Oilers podcast of the season and we will aim to be back next week where we'll get an update from Jim and Joanne about those road games and maybe John can also give us a little update. We'll sneak one in about the Eskimos because he'll be keeping tabs on them for us as well. You can listen to previous episodes of the Oilers podcast on edmontonjournal.com or on the Sports SoundCloud feed, just search EJ Sports. Thanks so much for listening.